Good to be back with you again. Uh, I know you can't tell by looking at me probably. I asked for no close-ups during this section, but uh, just looking at me, you probably think I'm a very young person. I didn't expect laughter there. Uh, Well, you know, the truth is, in fact, I am well beyond what would be considered middle age because unless I live to be well over 100, I have actually passed that period in my life. Uh, so, you know, but if, you know, if I'm honest, I really, as I've been studying and reading this 24th chapter of Joshua, I think I'm understanding more and more how he probably felt and what he was thinking about in this book that bears his name. You know, I have been in ministry for a long time, since I was 20. I was still in school. I started preaching at a church, and uh, pretty much since then, I've done that almost all the time. Uh, now, in my first year, uh, actually, I had two funerals to conduct. Uh, to be honest with you, I'd never done one. I'd been to funerals, but I didn't know like what to do, what to say, how to do it. So I called a couple of my close ministry friends, and they were like, okay, here's a suggestion, here's what you do. And um, so I, I, I got through those. But since that time, I have performed or, or conducted funerals I can't count how many. Many of them were people in our church, people I'd served with, people I'd worked with, so we were close and I knew a lot about them. And others I had never met before, frankly. I mean, they were, uh, uh, someone would call and say, hey, this family doesn't have a church, they don't know any ministers, uh, and they would like you to conduct the service. And, And I always tried to do my best to do a service that would be personal. But it's tough when you've never met the person, you know nothing about them. So I would sit down with the family and I would ask a couple of questions just to kind of try to draw out some memories and some thoughts that they would have about their loved one. And sometimes that worked really, really well, and other times not so much. But I did my best. So now I'm getting closer to the end of my life than when I was back in college at age 20. And some of the things I wonder about now is what people are going to say at my funeral. I mean, I really am pretty sure I'm going to know somebody in ministry who's going to be able to, to share some thoughts. But, you know, just how, how are people going to remember? What memories will they be sharing? Uh, how will people talk after I'm gone? And that could be very well what Joshua was thinking about. He knew that he was getting towards the end of his life. I mean, he was, as we find out later, uh, over 100 years old. So, you know, he had to know it was coming. He had seen a lot over the years. He had experienced a lot. And, and, you know, I, I really, I look back at the beginning of the time when we first meet Joshua, and there he is alongside Moses, kind of as his aide. And later on, Joshua is the one who is selected to follow Moses as leader of the people. I mean, you talk about some big shoes to fill. How would you like to follow Moses? I mean, that's what you would be compared to, right? So here's Joshua, and he went through a lot of stuff. And he was he was might have been worried about how well he was going to do, what was going to happen. But right at the beginning, as you studied, God came to him and said, look, I am with you. You be strong and you be courageous. Basically, he's saying, you just, you know, 
trust me and do whatever it is I am asking you to do. And I think Joshua did a really good job of that. I mean, he did what God was telling him. He went where God told him to go. He fought the battles God told him to fight. Uh, when something went wrong, God told him how to figure out what was going on and, and how to correct that. Joshua was there when they crossed the, the Jordan River uh, into the Promised Land. He was there when he was leading them into battle. Some of them were magnificent victories, such as at Jericho. A couple of times there were some setbacks because of uh, sinful activity among the people. Uh, but eventually they managed to establish kind of a beachhead within the center of what would be considered Palestine. Um, but there were some pockets of other nations that they never did manage to push out. And those peoples, throughout the rest of the Old Testament, were a thorn in Israel's side. The Philistines and the Amorites, just to name a couple. But now, uh, you know, they were settling in, and Joshua knew that his ministry and his life were going to be coming to an end. I guess you might say this is not just how to win and lose well, this is how to finish well. So Joshua decides he's going to gather all of the leaders and all of the tribes, all the people together, and he uh, delivers kind of a valid, valedictorious speech, if you will. He relates what God has done for the people throughout history, all the way back. And he talks about some of the heroes of the faith, and he talks about the time they were in Egypt, and he talks about how they were released from that deliverance uh, through the hand of God. And uh, he talks about the time when they were right there on the edge of the promised land, but the people refused to go in, so God turned them around, and they went back out into the wilderness for 40 years. And now Joshua and Caleb are the only two that are left from that time. So here he is, and he's, he's trying to prepare them for a time when he would no longer be with them. And so after kind of retelling the history of the people, Joshua makes an urgent appeal to them to make up their minds. And in verses 14 and 15... Joshua tells them, you need to fear the Lord and you need to serve Him wholeheartedly. Put away forever the idols your ancestors worshipped when they lived beyond the Euphrates River and in Egypt. Serve the, serve the Lord alone. And then he says, but if you refuse... If you refuse to serve the Lord, then choose today whom you're going to serve. Would you prefer the gods of your ancestors served beyond the Euphrates? Or will it be the gods of the Amorites on whose land you now dwell or live? But as for me and my family, we will serve the Lord. Wow. Did you hear that? Choose today who you're going to serve. Now you would think that would be a no-brainer. I mean, after all, after all the things that God had done for them, leading them out of Egypt and 
across the wilderness and into the promised land and all that. Uh, why not serve the Lord? But now remember, this is a whole new generation. This is a group of people who didn't go through all that stuff. I mean, they'd heard stories, sure, and Joshua just told them about it again, but maybe they, it was tough to act on, you know, because these other gods that he's talking about were idols. You could see, you could touch them, and you couldn't touch the Lord or see the Lord. So you would think that the decision would have already been made, but apparently not. And so Joshua is like, okay, you've got to choose. You've got to make up your mind. You've got to decide. And although they had a foothold in the land, Joshua knew that they were going to have opposition from these pockets of people that were still left behind. And he knew that having them so close would cause Israel to be tempted to move away from the Lord and closer to these other gods. You know, it's kind of like your mom told you. I know my mom told me, be careful who you hang around with because the people you hang around with are going to influence you even a little bit to become like them, right? And so choose your friends with care. That's what we tell our kids. That's what, you know, be careful who you spend time with because they are going to put an impact on you. And so Joshua is saying, hey folks, you have got to decide now, their choice that they were making is a personal choice. Choose today whom you will serve, he says. Now, you would think, again, that this person, you know, all tests, though, all choices are personal, right? He couldn't force them to choose to serve the Lord, and he knew that. Remember back in the day in the supermarket, they would have a table, and there would be two kind of suspicious looking uh, cups and they would have cola in them. One was Pepsi, and the other was Coke, right? And you were supposed to taste the both and, and tell which one you liked. I got to tell you, I could tell exactly which was which. You know what I mean? And, and so I would taste them, and I would pick my favorite. And then they would flip it over and say, here's what you chose. I'm like, I know. That's what I chose because I, I, that's what I like, you know? And so, you know, it, it, that was an example, though, of a personal decision or a personal choice. I remember when I was just a kid, uh, right on the main street into town, there was a house on the corner that was painted by its owners purple. Now, it wasn't, it wasn't like a nice lavender or... You know, a nice kind of gentle look. It was purple, purple. I mean, I think it glowed at night. It was so purple. You know, you had to put sunglasses on to go buy it in the daylight. Now, is that something I would choose? No. I, I don't think I would like to live in a purple house. But that was their choice. That was their decision. They could do what they decided to do. And that is kind of like the decision that Joshua is telling them they've got to make. And it's a personal choice. Nobody can make it for you. Now, dare I say that if you look around you in the world, you're going to see a lot of evidence of bad choices. Maybe even horrible choices. I mean, all you got to do is look at the news, right? And you don't have to look very far to see that. 
And as a matter of fact, if you read through the Bible, you will see time after time after time when a horrible decision was made. But also, the Bible is full of examples where God comes along and He redeems people from those horrible choices. And He releases them from that. And He allows them to choose to follow Him again. The Bible is also full of stories about making the right choice. You know, alternatives are always there in every avenue of life. And choosing not to choose means that we've already made the decision. So when do we choose? Well, Joshua said, right now. He said, choose today who you're going to serve. Now, I know a lot of people who like to think that they've got a lot of time, you know? And they're like, yeah, 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 I know. Eventually, I'm going to decide that I'm going to follow the Lord, but I got way a lot of time before that happens, and I got a lot of stuff that I want to do. You know, I've got to get up the corporate ladder. I've got, you know, stuff to do with my family. Uh, you know, I've, I need to buy a boat, and I need to have a cabin out in the, near the lake, and blah, 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 all this other stuff I need to do first. Then I'll serve the Lord. But you know what? Sometimes that never happens. Because there's always something that would pull us away. And so we've got to decide, serve the Lord and serve Him before time is gone. Choose today, Joshua said, who you will serve. Now Joshua has lived a long time and he'd seen a lot of stuff. I mean, he was there when Moses went up on the holy mountain to get the Ten Commandments. And while he was doing that, down here in the valley, the Israelites were building an idol, a golden calf, so that they could worship that. How discouraging and depressing would that be to come back down the mountain? They've already disobeyed the commandment before I even brought it to you. Right? Uh, Joshua was one of 12 guys who were sent to go in and look around in the promised land to kind of see what kind of place it was and it would you know, support their, their livelihood and so on and so forth. And Joshua, Caleb, and 10 other guys whose names we don't need to remember went in. And Joshua and Caleb came out and said, yeah, you know what? It's a great place to live. I mean, the vegetables are great. The, everything is great. Uh, and the ten other guys say, okay, wait a minute. Yeah, it's a great place to live, but there are giants who live there. And they are going to squash us like little grasshoppers. And as a result, the people said, okay, if ten guys say this, then they must be right. And they refused to go across. God turned them around, sent them back out into the wilderness, for 40 years until that generation had died off. Joshua had been there. He had been there when God led them to a great victory at Jericho. He had been there when God didn't allow a victory because there was sin among the people. Joshua knew this, the importance of this choice. Am I going to serve God or not? Now while we're on the subject of making a choice, did you know that someone else in the Bible clearly asked people to make a choice? His name was Jesus. One time Jesus was preaching to a group and he said some things that kind of, the people didn't like that much. And we're told that a lot of his disciples walked away from him. And he looked at the 12 
his chosen disciples and said, are you guys going to leave too? He was saying, you've got to decide, you've got to choose. Because the things I'm preaching, those are true. And so if, you, if you're going to follow me, you've got to follow me. You've got to choose to believe in me. So Joshua has already made his choice. In fact, I would say he probably made it a long time ago. And he chose to serve God. And he served God faithfully for all of his life. And Joshua now, at age 110, is telling the people, you need to decide who you're going to serve. And you've got to do it today. I've already chosen, you know. Now what was unsaid were all the things that Joshua had seen. All this stuff that, you know, that had been done. He'd been through some good times. He'd been through some bad times. But it's almost as if Joshua was saying, you know what, I have served the Lord all these years. And if I was a youngster starting over again, you know what? I would do it again. I would serve the Lord. And my family is with me. He chose to serve the Lord. And as a result, he left behind him a lasting legacy. I know a lot of people are concerned or they're focused on leaving a legacy for their family. I mean, some people, their concern is financial. I need to leave you know, some assets behind. I need to leave a, a, a nest egg, investments behind for my family. Or maybe they want to leave property behind that you know, the family can hold on to. But you know, I think, I think I want to leave behind what Joshua did. Because he left behind a lasting legacy. Think back in your life. Are there people in your life who left a legacy there? I mean, they made a mark because of the choices that they had made to serve the Lord. I know I've had those people in my life. I mean, youth leaders or ministers, elders, teachers, parents, coaches... A lot of those people just kind of poured themselves into my life, and it made a huge difference for me. Most of those people are long gone now. But their work lives on in me, and I hope in my family. The mark they made lives on. So Joshua challenges Israel in chapter 24, and the people, they responded really well. In verse 16, the people said, hey, you know what? We would never abandon the Lord and serve other gods. And in verse 18, they say, so we too will serve the Lord, for He alone is our God. Joshua was a servant of the Lord, and he left this motivation and legacy behind. And people followed God, and they lived happily ever after, right? Wrong. I'm sorry. uh, This is a spoiler, I know. But they did follow for a while, but then they fell away. Not only, you know, they followed while Joshua was alive. And they followed after that. Look at, Joshua dies in verse 29. He's, he's buried in verse 30. And verse 31 says that the people of Israel served the Lord throughout the lifetime of Joshua and the elders who outlived him. 
So here are these other leaders. And these guys, you know, had experienced the things that Joshua was talking about. They knew some of the things that God had done for Israel and had been there for a lot of it. And so the people would continue to be faithful while that was going on. So, you know, never underestimate the power of the legacy that you can leave behind. Joshua's legacy was a personal legacy. I mean, he poured himself into the life of other leaders, and they were able to lead the people to be faithful. And so your your life can have a huge impact on the people who are around you, and especially those who are closest to you and who know you best. Let me ask you a question. If you are a parent or if you are a grandparent, can you think of a time when that little one entrusted to your care said something that you know they heard from your mouth? You talk about a sobering experience, right? And you're kind of like, oh my, I have got to, I got to watch myself here. Maybe some of the things I do, they're going to do. Maybe some of the facial expressions, some of the attitudes I have, they're going to have. And certainly some of the things I say, they are going to say. That is, a, that is quite a moment. I remember the time it happened the first time to me. So I'm sure if, you, if it's happened to you, you remember. That's why we've got to make a choice. That's why we've got to decide, because our choices are going to impact everybody around us. And Joshua's choice left a positive impact. Because of his leadership, because of his faithfulness, an entire nation was impacted. And it was positive. Now that didn't mean that Israel was perfect or sinless. We know better than that, right? They were still some people who worshipped false gods or idols. There were still some people who disobeyed the commands of God. But during the main time frame of Joshua's life and immediately after, they did not turn away from the Lord. And you never know how far your positive impact will reach. That shows the importance of being positive and making a positive impact because, you know what, your negative impact will go just as far. Joshua's faithful service impacted a whole nation of people, and thankfully it was a very positive impact. It was personal, and it was positive, and I think it was a permanent impact. Now the generations that Joshua reached served the Lord. But there came a time when he was gone, and all those elders were gone. And you know what happened then? Israel turned away from the Lord. Read the book of Judges. Spoiler alert, they don't remain faithful. Again and again and again, they go away from God. And again and again and again, God draws them back to himself. And it was like a, 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 a repeat you know, kind of like putting it on, on a repeat recording and you hear it again and again and again. Now, I know what you're asking right now. You're thinking, okay, wait a minute. You said Joshua had a permanent impact. How can that be if they fell away and kept doing it over and over again? Well, I think one reason we can say that he had a permanent impact on the world is 
Today, this very day, in this room and around the world, people are still listening to his testimony. And they are still learning from the legacy of this man of God. So that's why we can say right now, hey, he had an impact down to this very day. So just to kind of wrap things up, I mean, what kind of impact are you leaving behind? When you leave this walk of life, whenever that would be, what kind of legacy are you leaving? Maybe right now today you would be honest enough to look at your life and say, you know what? I'm not where I need to be. I need to do, I need to do something to get, have a better influence and a ver- better legacy in people's lives. And, and you, know, you know what? Uh, you, you don't have to make a hundred steps. Sometimes that, that gets us down. We look at our life and we say, man, I am so far. You know, there's no way. We'll just take the first step. And then you can take the next step. And eventually, you will get to be where you want to be. Everybody here in this room has heard of the Nobel Prize. You may not know the story of the guy who created that prize. In the 1860s, a man named Alfred Nobel, who was a chemist in Sweden, invented a brand new explosive, and he named it dynamite. And he thought, you know what? This is going to be so destructive and so horrible that nobody is ever going to want to go to war ever again because it will be just it'll be catastrophic. Unfortunately, he very quickly realized that there were no shortage of buyers for this new explosive. He made a huge fortune from its sales. But he was horrified at the suffering that was being caused by this invention of his. It caused wars, it caused conflicts, and there was suffering and misery that followed in its wake. But, you know, he thought, what can I do about that? I mean, I invented it, but I'm not the one that's using it. Well, toward the end of the 1800s, one morning he got up and he picked up the newspaper and he read the paper and he read his own obituary in the paper. It said, Alfred Nobel inventor of dynamite, died yesterday. He devised a way for more people to be killed in a war than ever before. And he died a very rich man. Now, obviously, it wasn't Alfred that died. It was his older brother, and the newspaper got mixed up. But the point is, when he read that, it really, really impacted him. And he decided, you know what? This is not the example I want to leave. So he created this foundation that yearly to to today gives out peace prizes to those politicians or statesmen or scientists or writers who do their best to lead the nations of the world to peace. And here's what he said. He said, you know, every man should have a chance to correct his obituary and write a new one. And you know what? You've all got that chance. So do I. We need to choose today who we will serve. And when we do, we're part of God's family. I'd like to pray for us. Our Father, we admit 
that sometimes the legacy that we're leaving or the impact that we're having is not a positive one. Help us know what that next step is and to take that step. And Lord, help us to know when we are serving You, we are not just a, uh, someone who knows God or God knows us, but we are part of that royal family that You created. I pray that You would help us take whatever that next step is in our lives so that we too can leave the kind of legacy that Joshua left. In the name of Jesus, Amen.